it may become more confusing. And that's what we can say about the word Vayidom. Vayidom Aaron. We'll get to it in a minute. We'll get to it in a minute. The last pasuk in the parasha of Tzav. Remember Vayikra Tzav Shmini. Shmini is our parasha this week. Tzav was the last time we read a parasha on Shabbat. Right, which was some time ago because of Pesach. So the last pasuk in the parable of Tzav, I remember Vayikra and Tzav are about the regular korbanot that are given in the Mishkan, which was built at the end of the book of Shmot. So the book of Vayikra is a continuation or is a kind of a subset of the parasha of Vayikra. Of the, I'm sorry, the parasha, the beginning of Vayikra is about the end of Shemot. The end of Shemot, they built the Shmishkan and there was a Mizbeach and Vayikra and Tzav, those parashiyot are about the korbanot that are given in the Mish, Mishkan in the desert. But of course they continue throughout Jewish history. So the last pasuk in the parasha of Tzav is Vayasa Arona Banavet Kol Advarim Asher Tziva Hashem Biyad Moshe. I get pretty much simple, straightforward, uneventful kind of pasuk. Right? Aaron and his sons did all of the things that Hashem commanded them to do through Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, can't be more simple than that. Rashi says, Vayas Aaron Abadav, Lagid Shivchan. Why? Why does it say, uh, uh, why is this added? Well, why do, I mean, of course, of course, Vayas Aaron Abadav, Et Kol Advarim. I mean, it's obvious whether they're not going to do what God told them to do. I mean, what else is there to do? So Rashi says, why is this emphasized? That Aaron Banav did what God told them to do. Lagit Shivchan. This is in order to declare uh, their uh, Shevach, to give them praise. Shelohi tu Yaminu Smo. That they did exactly what they were told to do. Yaminu Smo are words that describe deviation. They did not deviate. They did what God told them to do. So we don't understand still, according to, why did, why did it say that? I mean, why would we imagine that they would do anything else except what God told them to do? But now look at the Ramban. You see the Ramban to the left. Ramban. Yomar bekomakom kasher tziva Hashem Biyad Moshe. Many times in the Torah, it has this phrase, Kasher Tziva Hashem Biyad Moshe. Kasher, Kasher, the word Kasher, the word Asher in Hebrew is like one of the, it's uh, we call it a preposition, I guess. Preposition is very hard to define. Like, you know, people write long and wordy articles about trying to define 
prepositions in Hebrew. Like, Breshit bara lokim shemayim va'aretz. The Torah could have said that, but it didn't. It said, Breshit bara lokim et ha-shemayim ve'et ha'aretz. So, in Chazal, it was easy. They said, you have an extra word, must be some interest, some extra idea. So Chazal said, et ha-shemayim v'tzvah ha All kinds of things in heaven. Et ha-aretz, and all the things that are on, are on earth. But there is really no, I mean, in uh, grammarians, call the word et, call the word et, a direct uh, object marker which means nothing you know it, like when you say a word is a direct object marker so that's not it doesn't have meaning it, it was, you're saying is that that word et doesn't mean anything so the word asher in Hebrew is similar it's hard to know why the word asher is used when it is used that's what the Ramban says but the Ramban tricks us. He says, he says this, If you just add up all the places where this phrase appears, it always appears with the word kasher. And in our instance, it says, But it doesn't say, Okay? Okay? But because they, of course they is referring to Nadav Aviyu, the sons of Aaron, because they added something to the mitzvah. Now here, of course, this formulation is very important. What, what could the Ramban mean that they added something to the mitzvah? What they did was something wrong. You can't say something wrong is an addition to the mitzvah. It's just wrong. Uh, but he doesn't say it's wrong. He says, That's why in this pasuk, it doesn't say ka'asher. But it says, asher tziva. In other words, they did what God told them to do, as Moshe Rabbeinu told them, but they also did something more, something else. And that something else is hosifu ala mitzvah, which could mean just that they did something wrong, but it also could mean that somehow they added a mitzvah act. They, they wanted to do a mitzvah. So it's quite clear what it is that the Ramban is referring to. Because if you look at the, at the Pasuk, we saw the Raj, we saw the Rabbah, but now look, you see the Pasukim, the two oldest children, the older children of Aaron, each one of them took a machta, which is a frying pan. In English they say a censer, because nobody knows what that word means. And they, that's how they did the ketoret, right? You took coals and you put the spices in the censer 
and out came a sweet-smelling fragrance. Now the word Zar, the word Zar in the book of Vayikra appears many times. And a Zar is a person who crosses the border. In other words, Jew, Jews can go to the Beit HaMikdash to do Avodah. Kohanim, Leviim, and Yisraelim. Everybody can go into the Beit HaMikdash, but only the Kohen can go into the Kodesh Kodashim. Only the Kohen can light up the candles in the Kodesh. And there are certain limits that people have. And the person who is limited is called a Zar. That's what the word Zar means. So when the Pasuk says, Ve'ekrim Lufnei Hashem Eish Zarah, Eish Zarah, I guess it means an uncalled for, going to, somehow crossing a boundary, uh, going beyond, going beyond what was necessary. But from the word Eish even though it would seem obvious that it's a bad thing, it's not per- perfectly clear. It's not perfectly clear why the word Zar is used in this case. Livnei Hashem, Asher they were not commanded to do it. They were not commanded to do it. And so, Pasuk Bet, a fire came out from heaven, right? And they died before God. You know, sometimes in, in, in history, in the Tanakh, fire comes out from heaven and does something. Remember the story of Eliyahu? on Har HaKarmel. Har HaKarmel is Haifa. Right? So there, there was a collection of Nevi'e Baal. Baal are the bad guys. Nevi'e Baal, they were really bad guys. And they had a competition, and it's hard to imagine, at least hard for me to imagine. Here's Eliyahu, he builds a Mizbeach, and the Baal guys, they build a Mizbeach. And... uh, and uh, the Baal guys dance around and they say, come on, fire from heaven, nothing happens. Eliyahu has a problem because even though it is forbidden to give a sacrifice outside of Yerushalayim, he's doing just that in order to prove a point. So he has to say to HaKadosh Baruch he says, look, I know I'm doing the wrong thing, but I have a, my idea is right. I mean, could you help me out here? And so in the Gemara, that's called Hora'atcha. Hora'atcha means when I do something against the Torah, but I do it only for a limited time or for a particular purpose or something that theoretically could gain divine approval even though it contradicts a law of the Torah itself. That's Eliyahu. And so the fire came down from heaven and, and consumed the carbon of Eliyahu, and he was declared the victor in that confrontation. I don't know how much good it did. The Baal didn't go away. And, the, you, know, you know, when you believe in something, reality has no place anymore. It just doesn't, doesn't matter. So the, uh, 
the, there was a setback for Baal, but Baal continued to exist. And uh, I don't know, flourish, that may not be the right word, but Baal continued to exist and annoy the Jews. So why did I, uh, why did I, I tell you this? Because that's Eish Zarah, Asher Otav. There was here, at this particular point, I, mean, I, I draw this parallel to the story of Eliyahu, where there was an Eish Zarah. Why in Eliyahu was that Eish Zarah? Because God said, you can't give a sacrifice out of Yerushalayim. Once the Beit HaMikdash is built, so that the fire that came down and consumed the Korban, the sacrifice of Eliyahu, was Zar. It was you know, unexpected. Uh, it was against the Torah. It was against God's will, so to speak. But, as I said, it was a Hora'at Sha'ah. Hora'at Sha'ah means that it did not affect the nature of the Torah. The Torah remained. You still can't sacrifice outside of Yerushalayim. You can't do what you can't do. That's what, that's what the Asia Zara is. Asher Lotzi they were not commanded to give the Eishara, the just like Eliyahu was not commanded to give the sacrifice on Harakarmel, but to only sacrifice in Yerushalayim. Nevertheless, nevertheless, it was kind of found to be, it's obviously a very powerful idea, which needs um, a person of great significance to implement. Right? You can't just say, oh, you know, I'll just do it because I think that right now would be a good idea. Is the same term used there? Where? By Eliyahu? Zar is... No. No. Vayomer Moshe laharonu asher dibe Hashem leimor. Now listen to this pasuk. This is a, a difficult pasuk. Moshe said to Aaron, Hu asher dibe Hashem leimor. This in fact has already been stated by God. What's this? What's the antecedent of this? The death of your sons. The death of your sons, it's already been, it's in prophecy. It's known that it's going to happen. We knew this was going to happen. Those who are closest to me, Ekadesh. What could the word Ekadesh mean? Ekadesh, they, they become separate. They become distinguished. Kodesh, Kodesh is, it looks the same, but it's special. It's something that runs under different rules and regulation. Bikrovai Ekadesh, while Pnekol Ha'am Ekaved, and I, God speaking, will be honored. Al Pnekol Ha'am in the face of all the people, means everybody will know this, Ekaved, I will be honored, Vayidom Aharon. So if we say that the word Vayidom means silence, Dmama, similar to the word Dmama, Vayidom Aharon, Vayidom Aharon. So that, so we have this question, am I doing that? I'm not doing that? If you like the music, you have to just change the channel. <laughs> uh, 
There's a professor in Bar Ilan, I think. His name was uh, Levine, Bar something Levine, who's, uh, who taught a seriology. Do you know who that might be? I mean, this is what I remember. What is a seriology? A, what is, a seriology. A is a, a Syrian, it's a language. Like today they call it Babylonian. But dialects, there's a dialect called the Syrian and another dialect called Babylonian. And believe it or not, there's another dialect called Neo-Babylonian. All of which used to mean a lot to me, but I think I outgrew it. Anyway, he said, Professor Levine said that there's a word in Akkadian, damamu, which means mourning. And he wanted to make a case for this word, vaidom, as just meaning, and he mourned. Right? In which case, everything would be really simple. It would be kind of a pleasure to learn this pasuk. But we're not going to go that way. I just thought I would mention it because it might be, there might be something to it. I mean, I don't really know. It's like, it's like mysteries uncovering mysteries. In any event, let's look at the Rashi. <coughs> Rashi says, but Teitzei Eish, see Rashi? Rabbi Eliezer, Omelo Meitu B'nei Aaron, El Al-Yedei, Shehoru Halacha B'fnei Moshe Rabban. So whoever said this, right, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer says that the reason they died, that they, that they were punished so severely, I mean, it's not clear what they did, what they did that was so terrible, uh, you remember that that the test to Korach and his flock was also they took machtot and, and ran around and then they were they were punished and killed. He says, They decided They decided to do something that the Torah didn't ask them to do. So they must have had some sort of reasoning behind that. They must have thought about it. It wasn't like they just ran to do something against the Torah. At least that's not the impression we have. They were the sons of Aaron. They were accepting responsibility. They were in the Mishkan. They were doing what they're supposed to do. And then they decided to do this. So that the decision to do this was taken without consulting with Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what Rabbi Eliezer says. So I could say, if I had to understand Rabbi Eliezer, I would say he was, he was dumbfounded. He's, he, he's like, here's Rabbi Eliezer, he says, like, what happened? What was so terrible? Right, you are, you, you are like, what did they do that they deserved to be killed in such a manner? Why couldn't they just die peacefully? Why did fire have to come down from heaven and kill and, and killed the Davaviu. I mean, there's something here that's going on that Rabbi Eliezer didn't understand. He simply did not understand it. Rabbi Yishmael Omer, Rabbi Yishmael had a different opinion. What does that mean? Now look at the next slide. Teda. So, the 
So at the time that they went into the Beit HaMikdash drunk, was it prohibited to go into the Beit HaMikdash drunk? According to Rashi, it wasn't. Look at the words of Rashi. The Rashi says, you see the third line in the Rashi? Shachar mitatam, after they died, he's here, the Torah warned, Hanotarim, the rest of the Kohanim, so that means when Nadav Aviyah went into the Mikdash, there was no, not yet a command that you can't go into the Beit HaMikdash drunk. So they went into, according to Rabbi Ishmael, they went into the Beit HaMikdash drunk. Now that's Asur, but it didn't become Asur until Moshe Rabbeinu taught it to them. And when was that? That was after Nadav Aviyu died. So how could Rabbi Ishmael say that they died because they were drunk? Why was such a severe punishment when the prohibition of working in the Beit HaMikdash when you're drunk had not yet been invented? At least not for Bnei Yisrael. They didn't know about it. It may have been in the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, but it was not part of the Torah that Bnei Yisrael had already received. Okay, that's a little mystery for you. Now, if you go back to the Pasuk, right? Who asher diber Hashem leimor? Who asher diber Hashem? Rashi, Pasuk Gimel. Echad diber. What are you talking about? What is the Pasuk referring to? It's got to be a reference to something. So Rashi quotes, V'no adet yishava l'vnei Yisrael v'nikdash v'chvodi. I will, it'll be a meeting place for me and B'nai Yisrael. And I will be sanctified in, with honor. So he says, So the drosha that Rashi quotes is, uh, You know that there is this kind of drasha called Al-Tikrei. Al-Tikrei? means don't read it this way, read it that way. What does that mean? It means like Chazal said that the reason that Hebrew is a non-vocalized language, at the time of Chazal there wasn't vocalization either, so I'm sort of making it up, but later on, I don't know exactly, I don't know when the early, when the first vocalization of Hebrew took place, but there are elements of vocalization that you can find already in the Gemara. Not full vocalization like we have, but elements that could be called vocalization. So, Al-Tikre is sort of like answering the question, how come the Chumash is not vocalized? How come there are no, uh, like in Yiddish, do you ever see Yiddish? You ever, you know how to read Yiddish? Yiddish, they had this problem of how you read the words. So they use letters as vowels. So like the ayin is an e, and the yud, yud is an e, and a vav is an o, right? That's already in Hebrew. In Hebrew, in the, in the Chumash, you already have that, right? No? The word shor is written in the Chumash, shin, vav, resh. Shor, shin, vav, resh. So what's the vav doing there? 
It tells you that the first vowel is O. It's not part of the word, so to speak. If you believe in um, in uh, roots, you know, like you learn in Opan, that there are roots. Roots are really mystical. They don't really exist. You just talk about them. There, there are no roots. There are only words. At least as far as I have been able to ascertain. So the word shore, then, then uh, there are other letters that are used that way. Sheep, what's the Hebrew word for sheep? Yeah. I'll do it like a teacher. What's the yeah. Hebrew word? What's the Hebrew word for sheep? Yeah, uh, oh, excellent. So, so, right? What's the Aleph? Tzadi, Aleph, Nun. What is the Aleph doing there? The Aleph says that the first vo- vowel is an O. So, the same thing is true about the word Rosh, which is written in Hebrew, usually Resh Aleph Shin, but in Aramaic, in the, of the Babylonian Talmud, for example, is usually written Resh Vav Shin. It's the same thing. It's just you need something to remind you that you should say O. Right? At the end of words in Hebrew, words that end with a vowel. There's a lot of words like that. Words that end with a vowel, what's the sign of the vowel? A hey. Hey, Torah. Torah. What is the hey at the end of the, of the word? It's not part of the root. It's just a sign to tell you that the word ends in a vowel. And you shouldn't read it Torah, but you should read it Torah. What? Also the vav in Torah. See, also, uh, well, if there's a vav, yeah. Well, I was talking about the hey, but you're right, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> but but though, that's the beginning of vocalization. That's the beginning of vocalization. But once the Torah became, you know, was copied again and again and again, then no one was going to change the vocalization in the Torah. So they invented vocalization, what we call vocalization, dots and letters and things like that, right? You know, if you read a vocalized text, which is, oh, here, here's a vocalized text, Vayikra Perigud, you see? Vayikra Perigud. You see all those dots? Those dots are called vocalization dots. And those dots were invented later because in the beginning, People, I guess, who read the Torah could read it fairly easily. But then it became problematic. So people were messing up, reading it this way, reading it that way. So they invented dots. They invented this system, which is called, we call today, Tiberian vocalization. Yes, it has something to do with Tiberia. Tiberian vocalization. Is this annoying you? Am I being annoyed? No, no. But Ben Mechubadai has a mem in it. It's more than a vowel. Atikwe Bechvodi. Bechvodi. No, but it's the same word according to the. To the. So I, I, before I, I, you ask the question, I just want you to say that Atikwe is based on the fact that you could read he, unvocalized Hebrew words in different ways. So that it was seen by Chazal as being, you know, 
like reflective of the nature of the beast. Like, you, since you can read the words in different ways, the different ways of reading the word must also have meaning in a, in a particular context. And that's how this whole world of drashot, of I'll tikray this, but tikray that, was born. It's true, as Sri says, that the word, the word in the pasuk is kvodi, right? And, and the drasha says mechubadi, which puts in above, right? There's an extra, an extra mem, I'm sorry. There's an extra mem, but I guess, I guess they felt that it was obvious that the only way to read it kuvadi is to read it mechuvadi, right? Amar lo Moshe la'aron. This is the explanation. Moshe said to Aaron, Aaron achi, yodeya hayiti sheyitkadesh abayit b'miyudavshel hamakom. Everybody knows that the sanctification of this building, the Mishkan, will be at the hands of miyudav, miyudav, those who know him well. Vahayiti savur obi obecha. And I thought it would be either you or me that would kind of be sacrificed at this particular occasion. So he says, So this Drasha says, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Aaron, I see that they, Nadav Aviyu, are greater than even us, even you and me because God chose them to sanctify the Mishkan. In what way were they chosen? Went up in flame. They went with God. Whatever, whatever it says. So, but Rashi seems to indicate that they were righteous. That the Dava view had a righteousness. That they were chosen. They were even greater than Moshe and Aaron. The end of the Pasuk is Bikrovai. See Bikrovai Kadesh? Rashi explains Krovai, those close to me, Bivichirai, those I choose. So Nadavavi were chosen. They were, had a special job. They went up in smoke in the Mishkan. The last part of the Pasuk, or next to the last part of the Pasuk, Bikrovai, Bivichirai, Vapnei Kaved, Shekhadish Bokho said Din Batsadikim. When God judges the righteous, when the righteous have to pay the price, then uh, he becomes, we become full of fear, and God is elevated and he is praised. In came Be'elu, in came Be'elu, certainly in these with Nadav and Viu, certainly true for the wicked. Bechenu Omer, etc. He quotes a passage to heal him. So, according to according to Rashi, according to Rashi, there was a righteousness to Nadav Aviu, something special. If you go back to the beginning of Rashi, Rabbi Eliezer said, "Oru halacha b'fnei Moshe Rabban." Rabbi Ishmael says, "Shtuyei yayin nichnisu," and then the third. So both of them say, "Bad, bad." And the third opinion in Rashi seems to be good. Can't be more confusing than that. And we don't even we don't know at all what the what it was that they did. The Ramban, here you see the Ramban, Vaidom Aharon, 
שהיה בוכה בקול ואז שתק. The Rabban doesn't go with Professor Levine, but he says that Vayidom means to be quiet. What's the big deal about being quiet? What's the big deal according to the Ramban about being quiet? You could be quiet. He says, no, First he screamed out when he heard what happened to his sons, and then he was quiet. What exactly the Ramban means is a little hard for me to understand. I don't know exactly. But he says, was only noteworthy because it came after Vayidom came after Bacha. It came after Moshe consulted him. After Moshe? Consult him. In other words, like it's like a, he accepted Moshe, yeah. cried out, and Moshe said, I have a good interpretation. Yeah, good. It, it could be, but I just don't think that he says it. He says, in other words, he could have said what you said. It's a, the Ramban says, as though that's what I'm noting. Uh, what you say seems to me to be perfectly reasonable. But I don't think that that's what the Ramban said. Ramban understands the word to mean he became silent. Right, it was noticeable. It was if he was just silent all the time, if that's the way he treated tragedy, I mean, which is certainly, uh, you know, something that happens to all kinds of people, then the Torah would not have noted it. The Torah noted it was because it was, he forced himself to be quiet. First he was crying bitterly, and then he forced himself to be, cry, to, to be quiet. Uh, there's a the long, yeah. After the birth of Esara, and um, Rashi says in the beginning, Asher lo hatu yaminu small, does he still, does that also continue? Does he continue to believe that even after the Esara? I don't know. I know, you know, it could be that Shalohi tu yaminu small refers to up to that point, up to the end of the parish of Tzav. Mm -hmm. And this is a new story where they are he too yaminu small. But that's what the Ramban said. The Ramban said since the word kasher doesn't appear, it's because they didn't listen 100%. That's, that's the Rashi and the Ramban. Okay, haven't got, we're not going to go through. Uh, we're not going to go through all the Abarbanel, but let's just look at the beginning. The Abarbanel says, Vayidom Aharon, Hu shenefach libo vayake even domeim, velo nasakolo bivchi uvimispeid, ka'avel aval banim. So the Abarbanel sees Vayidom Aharon as a statement that differentiates him from the run-of-the-mill mourner that the regular mourner who loses a son, or the regular person who loses a son, would certainly cry. And he didn't cry. Not like, not the, what, the, what the Ramban said. Gam, against what you say, Gam lo kibel tan He also was not consoled by the words of Moshe. Because he didn't have a heart, the heart for it, to be consoled. And he didn't speak. So 
Vishotek. Domain is the word that's used in modern Hebrew for an inanimate object. Right? Domain. Visho, uh, uh, domain Vishotek. He, he was just not in the world. He, he was not a regular person. He didn't react reasonably. I mean, you know how the Barbanel works. He, he like gives a lot of questions first, and then he answers them in a in a paragraph. Not you know, he doesn't answer questions. Does the question one answer one? But he does questions one to thirteen, and then answers them all in the same paragraph. I'm on the third line in the Barbanel. Right, as you say. First Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to Aaron and he told him what he told him. And after that, he was set about to bury the ones who were dead. Nadava Aviu. Vitzival Mishael Velel Safan. That's in the next Psukim. That Moshe, that Moshe Rabbeinu said to, to Mishael and Sofan, bury them outside of the Av Lifnim, Even though they, because they died inside, right? Inside the Aaron Code, in, in the Oral Moed. Shama Shum Adam, Loaita Isur Habia. So here the Abarbanel makes an interesting point. They died inside of the Kodesh Kodeshim, where you get the Ketoret, where you make the Ketoret, uh, or you bring the Ketoret from the Mizbeach to the Kodesh Kodeshim, and there's a prohibition to go into that place, the Kodesh Kodesh, except that Yom Kippur, when the Kohen Gadol goes into the... Into, so he explains how could it be that Moshe Rabbeinu would tell Mishael el Safan to go in and to take out the bodies and then bury them. They weren't allowed to go in, into the Kodesh Kodesh. So he says, oh, that's only if there's nothing there. You're not allowed to go in. But if there's something that has to be removed, if there's something that has to be removed, you can't. And so here he quotes the the um, the Barbanel. He says, "Aval biyotal lehotzi." I'm on the fifth line. Lotzi misham tumah. Oh, the bedekabayit rashayli kanesha. Bedekabayit means to fix the Beit Hamikdash. So that was in the in the Beit Hamikdash that built that Shlomo Amelach built. There was this question about how you're going to fix the Kodesh Kodeshim. Like you know, you have to hang the. Uh, the workers from from some scaffold high up so they can fix the walls of the of the Kodesh Kodeshim, all the Hotsim Sham Tumah, Rashai Likanesham, Ritziva Moshe, Shiyotsiu Misham El Michutzla Machanela Gid, Shebemakom Shayunisrafim, Khataot Hatsibur, Va Kohain Hagadol Sham Yikberu Otam. So he, 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 the Torah emphasizes that they were in the place where no one is allowed to go because they needed a special command from Moshe Rabbeinu to do it. So 
ומשה כהן הכהנים היה ביום ההוא ולזה תשיבה לאלו שהיו בני דוד אהרון ובאהבה היו עם המתים כמו אחים שיוצאים מתוך, מחוץ למחנה כחטאת הכיפורים. So you have this interesting idea that's introduced by the, by the Abarbanel, I think, which is that Nadav Aviru, whose sin, let's, let's say, we're not sure, but let's say it was a sin, who did something, they, they did, uh, they went where they weren't supposed to go. They did what they weren't supposed to do, right? They, they caused uh, an event that was extraordinary and left them dead in the Kodesh Kodeshim, which then caused Hora'at uh, Sha'ah. Remember the Hora'at Sha'ah we talked about before? That caused the Hora'at Sha'ah. What was the Hora'at Sha'ah that it caused? That now Mishael and al Safan had to go into the Kodesh Kodeshim, which they were not allowed to do in order to get the bodies out. So there had to be some kind of way of understanding how Moshe Rabbeinu could command them to do that. So that in, in, in uh, you know, in Agadita, when they learn the Torah, there's a certain kind of appreciation for things that are it and the opposite of it. It and, you know, the opposite happened later on. So here you have Nadav Aviyu did the wrong thing, but they created, the, according to, to Rabbi uh, Eliezer, to Rabbi Eliezer, right? According to Rabbi Eliezer, they did something that Moshe Rabbeinu did not agree with, did not tell them to do. They had no connection with Moshe Rabbeinu on this point. As a result of what they did, Moshe Rabbeinu had to create a Hora to allow Mishael and Safar Mishael into the Kodesh Kodeshim to take. Nadava Aviyu out. Okay, the rest of the rest of the Barbanel is also interesting, but we have to get on to it. The Hamek Davar. Hamek Davar Vaidom Aaron. You see the bottom of the towards the bottom of the page. Shalobacha. Shalobacha. Ramban. Shayabokhebakol Vashatak. Right, the Abarbanel, what does Abarbanel say? Ayaka Evan Domain, no response. He was like an uh, inanimate object. Evan Domain, he was like a stone. The Hamek Davar, the Nitziv, Shalobacha, the Bechial Meitu Behemet Mitzvah. He says, after all, crying under the, for the departed is a mitzvah. That these are people who are who are proper. It's a proper thing for them to cry if they are if they are in avelut. Al krovav umi Sorry, umi. You see the end, towards the end of the first line. If you don't cry when a close a probably close to you dies. That's a, a despicable thing, a despicable habit. Kemoshe Ericha Ramban, 
בהקדמה לספר תורת אדם. דרבן wrote a book on אבלות. אבלות. You never heard of that book, תורת האדם. But you did hear of... What's his name? Wiesenthal. Wiesenthal. Who? Oh, Leon Wieseltier. Yeah, Wieseltier. I'm sorry. You did hear about Wieseltier, so he wrote a book in English, which is basically a translation of this book, Torah Adam of the Ramban. But he's good with words, so he did a good job. I mean, it's not just the translation. It's also, is there such a thing as an impressionistic translation? Something like that. It's very, it's very... Uh, a lot of people have found some degree of solace by reading his book. I mean, it's the Ramban's book. That's what I mean to say. say and the book is called Torah Adam. Avalatam lazeh hu im b'mitat banim ptanim Right, that, that uh, when children die, that's Rechman al-Itzlan, Ubala onesh, and that's a kind of a punishment. He says that the, the person who lives, it's a terrible tragedy where children die and their parents are alive. I mean, it's like, it's like un, unnatural. He doesn't cry. It's like... Uh, a child that your, the father beats him, and he's, you know, he's just uh, making uh, uh, trouble for his father. And even with the adults, it is, you know, the proper honor to give to the, uh, to the departed. So he says that, you know, he can't understand. He's having trouble understanding Aaron. What was Aaron thinking? It, it, it is normal people. A child dies, that's a tragedy. So of course you should try. Even if, uh, if uh, uh, elderly parents die, that's also a tragedy. I mean, it's like... It's like a normal thing. What, what is Aaron, what is the domain of Aaron here? So here I am, on the fifth line of the, of the Nitzib, after the period. Since Moshe Rabbeinu has already explained to Aaron, already explained to Aaron, that there's a purpose for the, in the death of Nadav Avihu, that somehow this represents honor to Hashem and Yisrael. It's like Moshe Rabbeinu said to Aaron, don't cry. There's nothing to cry about. This is different. This is different than every, everything else. It's, it's more similar to a father who borrows his son's coat, and 
that if the son cries, he's going to create uh, uh, unhappiness for his father. But if he just like looks askance, so he he that he likes if the son is able to put up with the fact that the father took his coat because it was cold outside. So and he sort of indicates that he's happy that he's able to help his father. It doesn't stand why the Torah didn't write, you see, in the, in the third Pasuk, Pasuk Gimel, Moshe Aaron, who So what should have come after that, according to the Nasib? Vayishma. It's like Aaron heard. Aaron understood. He understood something. But what does it say in the Pasuk? It says, Vaidom Aaron. Why does it say Vaidom Aaron? This is the Nitzib's question. Uh, three lines from the bottom. That's what the Pasuk should have written. But the word Vaidom, Mashma. So he says, what's hidden here is a critique of Aaron, that Aaron should have said, oh, I understand, I will do it, I will be happy. I'll be happy about what happened because what happened was what should happen. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said to him. But, he's, but the Torah says, that he became like, like a stone. He became, that was his re- reaction. So, so then it turns around again. It's not because he was not righteous. But he knew that there was something more here. And what was the more? Binogei lechaita egel. What do you think that is? Binogei lechaita egel. Because after the... His own part in Chikot. Again? His own part in Chikot. Yes. In other words, he wasn't punished. Yeah. He, Aaron, was not punished. So he was sort of like waiting for the shoe to drop. It wasn't waiting. It dropped. Right. The shoe, the shoe dropped. Oh, he was waiting before he the shoe dropped. But, 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 but you see that that the uh, the see is de- dealing with what he sees as being two opposite parts of the puzzle. One Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to Aaron, "Listen, it's fine. This is what was supposed to happen. This is bringing kavod." to Am Yisrael, to HaKadosh Baruch it's a great thing. And then by Yidom Aaron, which seems to be the wrong response on Aaron's part, right, the wrong response. So how does he deal with that? He says, well, Aaron had another issue. I mean, he listened to Moshe Rabbeinu, he accepted Moshe Rabbeinu, but he knew that he was also being punished for his part in the Chait, in the Chaita Egel, she yesh present where we go in the Chaita Egel. Last line. Because Shayivo Arbet Shuvat Aaron, 
Allah Sayyir Asher Sarafa, and this is another another story. But wouldn't he have been punished? Wouldn't he have been killed if he was punished rather than his sons being killed? No. No, his sons were killed. That was what had to happen. It had to happen, but the, the, the sorrow that he expressed was the result of his personal tragedy. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said to him. Moshe said, listen, everything's fine. Uh, this is what the plan was, and you should be happy. But he wasn't happy because he knew that the death of his sons was in some way enhanced by the fact that he did what he did. So he, he accepted what, according to the Nsib, he accepted what Moshe said, but he had difficulty avoiding the fact that he also deserved to be punished. So according to the Nsib, why were his sons punished? Because they were the Bikrovaya Kadesh. They were better, according to Rashi, right, than, than uh, Moshe and Aaron. We don't know why they were better yet, but we do know one thing. But is Rashi saying it's very good to die for God? I don't know. I don't know about that. This could be a very special case and not something that could be generalized, mm -hmm. as we will see in a moment. Ishtarah is now a good thing. That what? Ishtarah is now turning into a good thing. Well, it was the right thing. It was something that had to happen. I don't understand that in the last... Everybody? What you said, the enhanced. I don't understand. Are you saying, are we saying or not saying that, that Aaron felt that his son's death were punishment to him? That's what you meant? It, it's, it's sort of like mikuta, you know, like it's, um, what do you call those sentences that... Uh, Abbreviated? No. Uh, yeah, you know, like when you say something and then you go and say something else and you get a red mark on your composition. I'll, I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. But just turn the page around for a minute. You see, this follows our story. This is the next parasha in the in uh, um, Shmini. Rashi says, This is why there's a question in the Gemara about how much wine. How much wine do you have to drink to be considered to be a, a shikor? So then it says, When you come into the Ol Mu'ed, you, you, you'll be fine. And you won't die. But if, you, if you're drunk, you will die, Rashi says. Not only inside, but even outside, right? Then the last pasuk. Look at the next to the last pasuk. What does that got to do with being drunk? And you, you know, it's. Drunk can't. You can differentiate between kodesh and not kodesh. Well, maybe even if you can, it doesn't matter. So Rashi says, Rashi quotes the Gemara, and it says, Labdil, You should be able to distinguish between what you should do in the Beit HaMikdash and what you shouldn't. That if a drunk, drunken Kohen, Oved, That's what it says in the, uh, that's what it says in the Gemara's conclusion as well. Right? Now, Pasuk Yud Aleph, Lahorot, there's this other word, 
right? Lahorot pasukin ale bnei Yisrael kol achukim. Lahorot means lamancha sur shikor b'horaa. That a, a drunk can't be a posek, for example, can't be a dayan. Yachol yechayav mitah. But what if he does it? Is he also chayav mitah? Tamud loma tavanecha etcha velota muto kohanim ba'avatam b'mitah. So that's a distinction made between Kohanim and Chachamim, that Kohanim, the Avoda is Psula, but Chachamim just should avoid being drunk. But if they're drunk and they teach Torah, you know, I told you once the story, Tzvi Pesach Frank used to make the Seder, just make a very fast Seder in his house and then go to sleep. And then after, he, after a few minutes, he got up again, because the Gemara says that sleeping uh, dispels uh, drunkenness. And after drinking four cups of wine, he felt he was drunk. So he went to sleep very quickly, and then he got up when people started knocking on his door and asking him Shilas about, uh, about Pesach. So somebody asked me, yeah, what did they have to ask Shilas about? You know? So I said, I said, you know, when you're poor, there are a lot of Shilas. When you're rich, there are no, not so many Shilas. They all disappear. Look at the Nitziv, what the Nitziv says, and maybe it'll all get clear. That's my idea, hope. Ya'in v'sheichar, ba'asher da'onen pasul avodah, bishum de'asharui b'tsa'ar, so, the Rambam says, the Rambam says that there's a danger. Simcha is always got this implicit danger to it for hololut. Hololut means reckless abandon. And for many people, drinking and simcha are identical. Like, sort of, they feel that the drinking brings them always to simcha. I wouldn't call them chasidim, because I don't think that's absolutely true, but they are more into it than the, the litaim. So the Nitziv says, mitok simcha shel mitzvah, umishum hachi achilat kotshim lebaalim, and therefore, even what is usually eaten by the ones who bring the korban is also asul onan. Anan is a person who has a, a, a for whom a, a close relative has actually just died, has not yet been, has not yet been buried, and has to be dealt with. So that is a denial of simcha shel mitzvah. And a person who can't achieve the level of simcha shel mitzvah. Right? Can't bring, can't bring a korban. So again, if you say, why is it, why is it that yayin v'sheichar al why is it so important to the Torah that you should not be allowed to drink, the Kohanim should not be allowed to drink, because according, because the Torah wants the Kohen to do the mitzvot in the Mishkan or the Beit HaMikdash in a state of simcha shel mitzvah, and the state of simcha shel mitzvah is overridden by the simcha shel yayin. 
it's, it's, it, it renders the Simcha Shel Mitzvah irrelevant because you become consumed, you become consumed by, by the wine. Therefore, therefore, what you have in this whole parasha is the story of Nadav Aviyu. Nadav Aviyu did something. As a result of what they did, they were punished. It was not clear that they did something that was absolutely wrong or partially wrong and why they were punished so severely and there's an opinion that says it was Yayin Rishaychad that they were drunk, right? Rabbi Yishmael said they were drunk and why is drunkenness a, pro- drunkenness a problem because the tzivui of drunkenness had not yet, had not yet been made. The Nitziv says why is it that Kohanim can't serve when they are drunk? Because they can't achieve the level of Simcha Shal Mitzvah. So if we say if we say that the Dava Aviyu wanted to deny the limits that were placed upon them because they felt that they had achieved in a special way the Simcha Shal Mitzvah that was necessary in order to give a korban. And therefore they went and they gave that special korban, which is called a ketoret, which the Torah calls an esh zarah. And they felt that they were able to overcome the limits of, of the, uh, the, uh, uh, the gvul, the boundaries of the halakha through uh, uh, the simcha that they had in doing what they what they did. Along comes Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu said, "This is unacceptable. Not that it's not significant, but it's unacceptable. This idea, this idea that there's an unlimited amount of spiritual achievement that a person can have if you." drug yourself, if you drink yourself silly. If, I mean, this is, this is ideas that exist today. I mean, we still carry them around. We carry them around with us. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, in the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that it may be that Nadav made the claim that there's unlimited simchashal mitzvah possible for us but HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that this would be, in general, a terrible rule to follow. And therefore, they, in spite of their achievement, were taken out of the world. And that's why Vayidom Aharon, Vayidom can be understood, can be understood as Aaron understanding what Moshe Rabbeinu told him understood that there was no point in crying at this particular time, but he assumed a position of, like hard as a rock kind of a, a position, because he assumed that, because, because he knew that he was guilty to some, in some way, as Moshe Rabbeinu said, for the Chaita Egel, and that the Chaita Egel would come back to haunt him, and so he couldn't help thinking about it. Whether in fact this was a punishment for the Chaita Egel or not doesn't matter. It only matters according to the Nitziv that that's what he was thinking about. And he had reason to think about that. So that, uh, that he agreed or understood what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, that the positive thing that Nadav Aviyu was, was to show that there was in potential an unlimited 
amount of simcha shel mitzvah that could be achieved, and yet Hakadosh Baruch Hu determined that even for us there's a limit. There's a limit. We don't have to look for the simcha shel mitzvah that takes us out of the boundaries of the of the Torah, which certainly was something that happened commonly in the 60s of the previous generation, the 60s, the 70s. Right? This was like a very common thing that uh, that people were. Uh, were using drugs in order to get what they thought they couldn't get otherwise. And it was not because they just liked, I mean, some people, I guess, like drugs, but the, a lot of people thought that there would be some sort of nirvana of, uh, attached to it. The Torah says, no, that, that the, the diminution of Seichel is somehow at variance with Torah. Torah is about being able to think about where you are and where you want to get to. And drugs are about skipping that and getting someplace without thinking about how you get there. So, uh, so this is the story, I think, this is the story of Nadav Avim. Okay. <laughs>